You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. one of the few times I won't be drinking during one of the podcasts, actually. Well, so. well, funny you should say that, Phil, because I am the same. That's one of the reasons I got into my own like podcast with Challenge Family is because most of the time I'd be ringing the athletes in Europe. In It would be morning for them, but late afternoon for me. So it's supposed to be coffee calls with Belinda, but that's a load of shit. It's wine calls with Belinda. They're drinking, <laughs> they're drinking coffee, but I'm drinking red wine. <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't like it. I don't love, um, I don't love doing the, the whole... Um, sitting there without anything in my no, hand, I think I know. my point. Um, I know. Hey, how weird is it not any, not the whole Kona thing this week? Everyone's kind of like, oh, my God, every single feed yes. is literally lamenting Kona. Inundated with shots from Kona. And I love the ones that have gone way back. Like some of these people are digging out photos from 20 years ago and I remember the time when I was doing And I'm like, oh, Jazzy and I have been actually having a pretty good chuckle because um, obviously I've been to Kona. We, I couldn't even tell you how many times Jazzy and I have been to Kona over the years, whether it be for the 70.3 or the Ironman or supporting or training. But to be honest, I haven't been to Kona for probably the last – four to five years. So I hate to say it, for Jazzy and I, this weekend doesn't, it's not really um, as sentimental as it could be because we just haven't been for quite a few years now. And that's not to say I don't miss it. And that's not to say that I don't spend my entire bloody Sunday sitting in front of a computer screen. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, Justin goes out and does whatever, has a normal Sunday. And I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming. And of course, I never leave my screen for like, nine hours straight um except to take toilet break and to to, to get food um but yeah so it, it's funny it's not I'm not as depressed as I'm sure a lot of the top athletes are particularly you know the top pro athletes who their entire season is focused around this one race what what's um what's a normal Sunday look like for well you? funny you should ask because I actually love my Sundays a normal Sunday up here in Noosa is I get up pretty early because I have a group of awesome women that I um I go running with. And, yep. yeah, we meet at 6.30 in front of the, the Noosa, Noosa Surf Club and we run yep. about a 16 to 17K run through the National Park. And it's pretty hard going. We don't run fast and we always say if, if someone can't talk, then we're running too quickly. Um, <laughs> and sometimes we can have a group of up to 12 and we cause absolute freaking chaos in the park because people see us coming and, honestly, they get scared shitless because they can hear us from a mile away. I don't know if they think we're going to run them over or what, but some of the oh, – we laugh because we're, it's almost like are we really that intimidating because I think it's more just a loud, nonstop chitter-chatter that scares people more than, you know, 12 women running towards them. But, yeah, it's an awesome morning and then we all go for coffee afterwards and we pretty much spend as as much time at the coffee shop as we do on on our feet. And I think I've, yeah. I, I eventually roll back home to Justin around 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream, right? That's, that's oh, you is. know, you're in an idyllic para, para, paradise setting. Yeah. Uh, it's and, and COVID has obviously knocked everyone around. There's no doubt. There's It's a shitty year. We can only say that. Shitty, um, shitty thing, yes. Yes. Your, how's it been up north? Um, you've just, the Queensland just hosted I'm not going to call it the Asia Pacific title Cairns Ironman. I'm going to call it the whoever could be bothered doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, whoever could, whoever could be bothered, and, who, and whoever could get there. God, yeah. yeah. Um, what's Queensland been like for you guys? Oh, look, you know, and I know people get sick of saying that, and obviously with Queensland, with us shutting our borders to 
pretty much everyone um, right. and only just reopening to a, to a, a select few. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I laugh about it too because I never in a million years thought that Australia would ever get to this point where we were where we were becoming, you know, little mini countries within ourselves, which still pisses me off, to be honest, because I like to yep. think of it as one open country. But in saying that, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't reaping the rewards. I mean, up here in Noosa, it's pretty much like normal and it has been for so long now. Um, you know, there's really even social distancing. People turn up to coffee and they're giving each other kisses and cuddles and, you know, whereas that sort of thing is just frowned upon anywhere else in the world. Um, mm. We've never had to wear masks. Um, even when I go to the gym, you know, obviously I love F45, I go to the gym, that's pretty much back to normal. Um, so we've been lucky in that respect. So I, I shouldn't whinge and complain. Uh, and mm. then, obviously, I, I was lucky enough to work at both Sunny Coast and Cairns. Uh, I worked for Steph at Cairns, and it was amazing. It was it was actually the first time I'd felt since I, w- I worked Challenge Wanaka back in February that I felt like I was at a real race again um, because yeah. people were, were normal. Obviously, on race day, people were still social distancing and there were rules in place, but the athletes and the spectators were so well well, and I hate using this, well-behaved, but they were. They were brilliant. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And, um, and the race itself was way better than I could have ever envisaged. I mean, the women's race was so close. There was one point there when there was less than three and a half minutes separating the top three women. I think that's how it finished. And even the men's race was just as exciting. So even though it was a very limited field, um, I definitely can't complain at the excitement that these athletes actually gave us on the day. So mm. I was pretty blown away by it. It's it's interesting, isn't it? The the way races are being covered uh, at the moment, that tends to be there's a little bit of a what I can sort of feel as a guerrilla faction starting to um, emerge with some of these um, websites and and I guess players who have been around for a while. And you mentioned um, Steph at Wits Up, who has appeared on the podcast. Yes, um, yes. And we had a fine old time. Um, of course, she, she's a she's a good, she's a good human. That she one. is. She's um, awesome. Um, but it's really, isn't it? I mean, how does, I mean, you're, you're obviously still rolling with challenge. Yes. Um, Ironman don't like anybody doing anything around their races that doesn't have an M dot stick no. it all over it. How does challenge look at that? And, and I mean, without getting too interviewee on this one, but you know, is there something around that? Are they encouraging that sort of broadcast or do they want to keep it all in house? No, uh, in actual fact, if it was had it been a challenge race that weekend, they wouldn't have minded Steph doing it at all and they certainly wouldn't have cared if she used the word challenge family or any other uh, namesake, so to speak, to do with challenge. And I, that's what I don't understand. It's, it's, I don't know if it's that they think that people are making insane amounts of money on the back of their of the logo, I don't know because it's not. I mean, anyone that can uh, chat to Steph tomorrow will know that she is certainly not. She spends a ridiculous amount of time trying to promote this sport for very, very little return financially. Um, mm. And really, I think, particularly in this, it, like the situation we're in right now, and have been since March this year. I really think that if we want to survive as a sport, it's about everyone getting together and helping each other regardless of who the hell you work for and I mean obviously Challenge Family I've been the pro liaison for many years now and they've done it tough as every event company has so I wake up every day thanking the greater powers to be that I still have a job and they have been Challenge Family for me personally have been 
amazing. I, I can't wait to give my three bosses the biggest hug next time I get to see them because that could have been very easy for them to just say, you know what, Belinda, we're not getting any licensing fees this year uh, because there are no races, so we're going to have to let you go for the 2020 and then revisit it next year. Nothing, not even a murmur of that. So, And then they also know that obviously, yeah, if they're to be honest, I'm sure they didn't like me being in Cairns or at Sunny Coast and, you know, working for, for Steph, but they know that I need to make a living too here and um, without having any events to go to, that's limited my chances of making an income. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but when I was working for Steph up in, in Cairns um, covering the Ironman, I had to be really aware and Steph went over it with me several times and I know I still stuffed it up, um, but <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, you know, when you're talking for nine, nine no more, 11 hours, um, you're bound to make a few boo-boos, but, you know, even using the word Ironman, um, yeah. was not allowed um, uh, or anything to do with any licensed um, names or even um, when it came to thanking our sponsors because we had a couple of sponsors, obviously Wynn and Marlow, Republic, Cervello, to name a few, Form Goggles. I think they they all are the reason that I was even there, the reason that Steph was able to do it, but we weren't allowed to talk to, about them as being sponsors because that would mean that we were making money or Steph was making money. Um, so we had to call them our partners. So there was just really stupid Thing, yeah. To me, that's just stupid um, things that we had to. I had to constantly be aware of, or Steph had to text me saying, "Just back off on that, and we'll change it to this," um, just so we weren't breaking any laws or any uh, it, it, in getting in trouble. It seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, it's a niche sport. Yep. It's never going to have the profile that the big no. sports have, and it, and as much as we all love it, it's never going to do that. Let's no. be honest. No, it's mired in a amateur framework it's mired in the fact that volunteers run the sport yes the sport yes Re rely on volunteers. them yep totally yeah. um yet the powers that be i.e your your iron man i'm not just going to sit here and bash iron man no that's no they've, no of course but, not and they do some great hey i mean they've done they do and continue to do some great things for the sport but yeah. i just i just think in any other environment or in any other time then fine you know we can have these rules and regulations in place but jesus we're not in a normal bloody time right now are we and haven't been since march so can we just all do what we need to do for all of us to, to work together to get through it but roadblocks but what's just stopping us though we've well, had this exactly. conversation um with kevin kevin mckinnon on our newscast which is when we actually show our faces on camera and it's a gorgeous sight um <laughs> he's just he's the most you know i mean there are some beautiful canadians around and kevin mckinnon is one of them um yes. on that though um, like what's stopping you, me, anyone who's listening to this, picking up a phone and sitting at Lava Java and just going, well, fuck it, I'm going to make my own broadcast yep. and I'm going to sit here and give updates as they're all running past. And I'm going to call it Iron Man, I'm going to do whatever I like. And I've just happened to have 500 mates who are going to follow that and distribute that around the, the yep. place. Yep. So what's the difference between that and then someone coming in to the Iron Man tent, as it were, and saying, hey, look, you can do this, but here's some parameters. You've got to mention blah, 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 and you've got to do this. And if you're going to do that, that's fine. But we want to, you know, what's the, like that's creating satellite? They're so paranoid about getting their traffic drawn from the main. Yeah, yeah. But if I have to listen to one more VR oh. commentary, I'm going to, it's terrible. <laughs> exactly. I'd much rather oh. listen to you or, um, you know, a, a more of a down-to-earth setup. Well, let's be honest. If it wasn't, I was with Luke McKenzie the entire day in Cairns the other week. He was doing his live updates alongside of me, just off from his own platform. And obviously um, I was doing mine from the Wits Up platform. And 
if it hadn't have been for the two of us, there would have been nothing. Literally, mm. I mean, there was nothing. And I'm not blaming anyone for that. I know that um, people are getting, you know, that there's a they're working on a skeleton staff right now and everything there were people there didn't have basically didn't have people to do that and that's why we're saying well we're here and we'll do it and we'll do a damn good job and we'll make sure we don't disappoint anyone and from all the feedback that we've both been given Luke's Luke's uh internet you know his traffic was ridiculous and they loved it and for a lot of people for example Amelia Watkinson's mother who is in New Zealand would have completely missed the yeah. video of her daughter, I get goosebumps now looking, remembering it, her daughter winning her first bloody Ironman. That's a big deal. Um, so yeah. it would have been lost, whereas she was able to follow it. She hasn't seen her daughter for God knows how long. You know, I, don't, I can't even remember the last time Amelia was back in New Zealand. So, I mean, this is surely that's got to be a good thing. So I, well, I, surely they've got to think of an affiliate program, right? Yes, like, yeah. y- y- yes, you've got, and I, and I get, I'm not, I'm, I'm simplifying this, and, and I, and I, I'm and I am too, that. I am too, and I don't yeah, know the legal ins and outs. I understand that, so correct. But surely, I can remember, and and I might have had this conversation with Steph on the podcast. I can remember when we said to Iman, we want to take the winners live. We yeah. want to broadcast, and this is just when. Twitter and Periscope and all those sort of very, very early live channels. Mixlar, I think, was one of them, was coming in. And obviously 10 years ago, it was less advanced. But we said we want to take this live. And the shit attack that they had about us doing that in a, you know, non-branded area yeah. was ridiculous. So what we did was we pulled the athletes out and said, okay, Crowey, come meet us in under the hotel in half an hour. We'll do a live update then. Yeah. Yep. We just worked around it versus working with them. Exactly. Why don't we do a live? Why don't you put up a backdrop of all your sponsors? I don't give a shit. I'll talk to these pros at the end of the day. Exactly. And we can create a mix zone that we can go live in. Yep. And you're getting broadcast. And they're just like, no. I'm like, and then here he is on my soapbox. Then they said to us, well, now you can only take 90 seconds of footage from an Ironman race. You can't broadcast any more than 90 seconds. Wow. So you know what we did? We slowed down the footage and did some beautiful <laughs> slow-mos. And I get a call from the media guy at the time and he says, you've put up a video of Iron Man footage that's two and a half minutes long. I said, yeah, but part of it's in slow motion, Chief. Yeah. You might want to just so, back down on that. So in actual but fact, that, yeah, but that's how, how petty it gets though. It's just, Correct. Oh, well, we weren't, yeah, well we, we weren't allowed to do any Facebook Live. That's why it all had to go through Instagram. That was one of the, the things that we, the mm-hmm. conclusions we'd come to. Uh, and I... I I, as I said, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't understand the, the legalities at all, but I know that they have a sponsorship with Facebook Facebook now, so that's fine. But, yeah, so that's why we can only go Facebook Live the day before and the day after, not on race day itself. But then there wasn't any anyway, so it wouldn't have been but a that's problem. That's confusing as well. Yeah. Like if you have an audience and you have, and I'm going to use this very, very loosely, people, if you've trained your audience to always go to Facebook for updates yes. at races and and then you're switching platforms. Yeah. You don't – you split your audience. It doesn't work well. No, so no. the continuity that Steph, that Luke, that anybody is now bringing out, my point is I think Ironman could probably be and build some flexibility into what they're up to in their broadcast because I think there are some real talented people out there who aren't going to be your traditional media outlet. They're not Slow Twitch. They're not um, no. Triathlete Magazine. They're not Triathlon Magazine Canada who are beautiful, beautiful people and I love them. Um, they're not any of that. No, no. 
That's right. But they would do a half decent job, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's but then I the flip side of it though, isn't it, Belinda? You look at you know the wild west. Anyone could be posting anything about anything, and yeah, that's why I, I understand know. there need to there needs to be some sort of a framework. We understand, that. and I think, and and that's the greatest thing about Steph. Steph's not out to try and you know right off the coattails of anyone. She's been in this for the long haul and always yeah. for the right reasons. Always for the right reasons, which is to promote women in sport. She's never deviated. In fact, the only thing we deviated from a couple of weeks ago in Kansas because you know, me, mother hen of all the pros, I probably pushed a little bit more of the men's race than what would normally go up on Wits Up, but that was, I was lucky Steph let me do that so that we could still cover and showcase, you know, the great men's race that was happening as well um, with yeah. the emphasis obviously being on the women. So, and for me, it's just about getting our sport out there to, to the world, particularly at this time when there are no races or very little races going on. And even if it's just to give some... Uh, some joy uh, to people that have been stuck inside or without races or without pools, even if it's a little bit of motivation for them to then get back to their training because so many people are are in such a rut right now and such a bad way. So if that coverage can just help that particular athlete for a week live normally again, uh, back to the good old days, then then for me personally, that means I've succeeded. So the the Stay Classy Award, I reckon, well, there's been a number of them this year. Um, One of them was, um, and I thought this was particularly poignant, was the way in which your mob, uh, the Challenge family, went about their um, conversation with races being cancelled, entry fees being, um, you know, discussed. Yeah. How hard was that inside the, you know, inside the tent to sort of see that? I mean, the the look on those poor... um, challenge family faces oh, that was and it was you know heartfelt I, I mean you felt that it was heartfelt and had I entered a race I would have probably just said you know what I'm just gonna you keep it man because yeah it, yeah it, and, and you know what there are so many athletes out there that did that they actually didn't even want to transfer their entry fee to another race next year they actually said yep. you know what just keep it you need it Roth, you wouldn't believe how many people did that from Roth it just and that doesn't surprise me because obviously Felix and his team from from Roth are so loved and every year give so much back to the sport that it, it didn't surprise me that there were a, a good chunk of age group athletes that just said don't worry but make sure I get a slot for next year and you know then we'll be, we'll be right so yeah and the conversation obviously that challenge family had um about returning fees it's tough because you know, half the time with some of these races that had been postponed to another date, things had already been put in place. Uh, finishers medals had been made. T-shirts have been made, finishers T-shirts. Um, nutrition has been brought in and, and paid for. So a lot of these things you um, you can't even, it's not like the money's been used um, and it's it's difficult to get back. But the, the three boys, um, so that the own challenge family from the Netherlands, so Richard Yort and Jeffrey, who are quite possibly the most amazing three men I've ever worked for in my life and and will ever work for. Um, They're just so forward thinking. And, you know, I can't even imagine how tough it is for them at the moment because obviously the way that the the Challenge Family model works is um, Challenge Family survives off um, the licensing fees of the races. And there have been no, I think maybe one licensing fee this year with Challenge yeah. Wanik is the only one that's gone ahead and obviously the big one at the end of the year in Daytona, Challenge Daytona, is looking highly likely. But everything else um, has had to 
you know, has had to either was postponed or it's had to go to next year. I think Challenge Taiwan is the only other one that looks good to go, but that's going to be just for Taiwanese athletes alone. Um, and I don't think yeah. it's going to have a pro field, obviously, because we can't get any pros into the country or then out. Um, so, you know, I think, well, how, how are they doing this? How are they giving the, the money back? So, um, but they said this is the way it has to be. So I, I just... I applaud them for it because, I mean, I'm no accountant, but I could imagine it's certainly extremely difficult at the moment for that entire, for the core team over there in the Yeah, I thought they, again, this is, you know, we're not doing this in contrast to anyone else. We're just saying, as I'm saying as a silo, this they did this really well. Um, They're starting, I guess, the the world's starting to wake up again. I I, I fear for North America. I don't understand how that country's operating. I don't think anybody (laughs) understands how that country's operating at the moment. It's an absolute dumpster fire. And the sad part is that you and I both know a boatload of um, Americans who probably aren't, um, you know, paddling that canoe of uncertainty or or stupidity over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, you look at Daytona and you look at, say, Florida, and, and again, Kevin and I were talking about this this week, I I I don't my mind has a hard time wrapping around two things a why anyone would want to travel to Florida um and b entering that race how they're going to secure the safety of that so is that obviously then I mean the race itself would be amazing yeah the prize purse all the things that they're trying to do works for me except on this health level. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Look, I suppose I would say I don't understand how they're going to do it if I hadn't have been there last year and seen the setup. Um particularly and I'm going to talk purely for the from a professional standpoint now because that's what I'm yeah. that's what I'm going over yeah. there for is just the professionals. Yeah. The entire professional race is run within the Daytona um the NASCAR track. And it's enormous. So it's it's like its own little village inside there. So it's almost like a little inner sanctum from the rest of the world. Um, so obviously, yes, athletes still have to arrive in Orlando International Airport and then they um, will be transported directly to the two hotels that are owned by NASCAR that are right outside the track. Um, I stayed in. Helpful. Yep, very. And um, it will only be athletes in these two hotels because they've booked every single room for the professional athletes. Um, and so they, they, that's it. All professional athletes will be within these two uh, hotels, which are owned by the same corporation. They will then be transported from there straight to the track. There'll be no deviating in between. And Daytona itself, I was actually quite shocked. I just think I thought it was going to be this massive, big town, but it's like a little sleepy. It's almost Noose is busier than than Daytona. Daytona, yeah, right. It's like a little village that just it's brand new, just been like it's just been built, and it's it's practically empty. Um, so I just don't – and then the race itself is, is held completely within the track. They don't go outside the race the race track itself at all. So from that perspective, um, I think it's great. And I know that the team, the, team, the NASCAR team that's in charge um, are brilliant. Bill Christie, who is now Challenge Family North America, um, he's the race director. Oh, well, race, not race director. He's the owner. Um, and Gillian, the race director. And they work very, very closely together. And I have, and I know this is going to sound crazy, maybe because I know you look at, I mean, as I say, we all look at the media every day, news every day, and we, we, we either laugh or shake our heads at what's going on in America. But um, these two, I have 100% faith that they can deliver a safe race. And, and yeah, maybe I'm being naive, but, you know, my tickets are booked and I'm going. And, 
the only thing I'm shitty about is the two week quarantine I'm going to have to do when I come home. But you know, ah. so be so it. So do you have to? You don't have to quarantine over there. No, not as an Australian, but um, obviously majority of the countries from Europe, yes, they would normally. Um, but again, because we are going through NASCAR and using their um, system, we are able to get these athletes in without having to quarantine. So. And you're going to have to do, you're going to have to get tested yourself though. Yeah, ah, that's interesting. You kept that up. So that's one of the things that NASCAR are adamant about and they have set up because they've got their own medical centre inside the track. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah. You can't even imagine how how pro this whole setup is. Um, I mean, we're talking about a sport that's worth bazillions. So they've got every, yeah. everything at their fingertips and it's quite surreal to see it, and, you know, first up, um, firsthand. But it's, um, yes, every time we enter the chat track, we're going to have to get a COVID test done, yes. So that is yeah, essential. Right. Is it one of those quick ones that they can turn around or yes. is it? Um... Yes, very, yeah. very quick. Um, and it's going to be, it's, and it's going to be not done just once on arrival. It's going to have to be done several times. Oy, so, that's good time. Yeah. Is it traditionally done? Is it, is it nose and, and mouth? Yes. Yeah. So I've, I haven't even had a COVID test yet because I haven't had a need for one. Um, oh wow. I've had three. Oh, I haven't had any and I'm dreading, I'm dreading it. Yeah. No good. It's no good. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh. it's you know you look at it and you sit there and you go, okay, this is very similar to going through airport security. I'm doing it for a health reason or a safety yeah. reason, and, and I'm okay with that. If I take my shoes off in the airport, I'm okay. But when she's putting the thing up your nose, she, she just says to me, "Oh, this might take a minute." You're just going, "Oh my god, are you scratching my brain?" <laughs> oh, it's gonna kill me. I hate anything <laughs> being up my nose. Oh. It is a time. It is a time. Um. I noticed with interest too the activation of the wild card, which is interesting because we um, we chatted about this in the news. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with the news feed, Kevin McKinnon and I, I'm just going to give myself a quick plug here. Uh, Triathlon it. Magazine um, Canada, do we do a Facebook Live every Monday their time um, and we chat about all things triathlon in 10 minutes or less. But we were talking about the wild card and I, I monstrously applaud any profession that strives to get the best athletes on the start line at any event. I, I, I cannot underline that enough. And if it means giving a wild card to an athlete who may have had some misadventure, I'm on board with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and what your people are going to understand is that the PTO rankings that have been in place for a while now, Torsten Rad, obviously, and his algorithms, his algorithm that he's used, used has uh, is why these PTO rankings exist. They stopped in March, so we haven't been able to update them. So there's another reason why there's probably athletes um, outside of the top 40 that do deserve um, yeah. to be on that start line and they aren't because they haven't been able to improve their ranking because of the lack of racing that's gone on. And then we also have athletes um, from short course background who are world champions um, who have expressed interest um, so that's why the Wild Club program was brought in by the PTO. Um, Challenge Daytona have also been given a, a very, very small amount of uh, wild cards, which we've already given, um, and they're to athletes that have, have been loyal to the Challenge Daytona race and who all, are also very good athletes in their own right, but for some reason may not have, um, you know, weren't in that top 40. So, but, yeah, they it's a very small amount, whereas PTO, I think they've got the 10, 10 male and 10 female, which will be announced, I think, in the next week or so. Well, you see how many times, um, you know, have we seen athletes 
trying to cram to get to Kona. Um, the most recent one I can recall is Mary Beth Ellis um, <laughs> doing like 400 races in the in that sort of three-month period leading into Kona to get her spot versus going, hey, man, you can have a wild card because you're a jet and we know you'll do well in the day. Exactly. And this makes sense for us to have you in our race. Exactly. And then, and you know, knowing, because to me, if you're going to have a world championship or a championship event, it's like it's like the Olympics. You want every single athlete on that start line to be coming into the race in the best, absolute best shape of their life, not half cooked or smashed yeah. or injured because they've had to race 500 races before they've gotten there. What is the what the hell is the point of that? We're not going to yeah. see the best of them on the day anyway. So, yeah, I, I I like the idea of the wild card. And what I also like that the PTO has done is obviously the PTO has a massive athlete board. That's the whole. System, a reason behind the PTO is that it is run by pro athletes. But for these wild cards, it, all wild card slots uh, will be under the discretion of the non-athlete board. So there'll be no conflict of interest whatsoever. No, and I look, I, the PTO, when they first started, this is going back some years ago, they were a joke. Um, any form of triathlon union has always been a joke. Um, it really hasn't worked. It doesn't work. Um I kind of feel with these guys, though, with the new regime, that there's a lot more uh, structure to it. There's yes. a lot more understanding of the needs of professionals. And I feel that they, I would think they have the best chance out of any uh, evolution of this particular body to create and to get the best results. No, look, I, I totally agree. And obviously, Challenge Family are working, decided a while back that they wanted to work closely with the PTO to help but um and I've obviously had quite a bit to do with with Sam and Charles particularly because of Daytona they were in Daytona last year checking out the race venue to see if it, if it was a good place to put on a championship event and obviously you know with um the championship in Samarin this year we were going to have the Collins Cup and honestly they're they're amazing I've known Sam Renew for a long long time I used to train with him back in the day when I was with Sutto so I've known Sam since he was a young boy and Without a doubt, their intentions are in the right place. I mean, you only have to look at all these races that they're helping support around the world now. Because, um, so, I mean, I interviewed an athlete the other day, um, Daniel Backegaard from Denmark, who said he went to his last race with €100 Euro left in his bank account. Um, yeah. And so I, I think it's great that – and it's not even just about the money, Phil. I think what the PTO are doing around the world by, by financially supporting a lot of these independent races – uh, and, and putting in a price purse, it's not even about the pros making money, although that is a simplistic way of looking at it because everyone needs money to survive. Um, but it's just making them feel worthwhile again because these are pro athletes yeah. where their job, their freaking job is to go out and race and you, we've t it's been taken away from them. So even to just to, to, have, to make them feel worthwhile and valued again be, and be able to be out there doing what they do best and for some of these people doing all they know. Um, so yeah. I, I absolutely applaud them. I've just... Just um, actually got off the phone from uh, the race director for Harvey Bay 100, which is um, going to be a PTO-supported event this year in November. And hmm. Sam, Sam Renouf and Jeff, the race director, um, they got on a phone call yesterday and they nutted it out. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a mutual benefiting re relationship for everyone involved, for, for Harvey Bay, for the local businesses in Harvey Bay, for the PTO and for the athletes. So I love it when... Everyone involved gets a positive outcome from it. It's not just, oh, well, what can you do for me? And 
we might be able to do something for you. It's just, it's mutually benefiting. And that's exactly what's been happening with these races. And, um, you know, Harvey Bay is going to have the best profile it's ever seen. But it's also, it works for everyone. So, and I love it when you can get a relationship like that because it's it's quite rare in sport to get something that benefits everyone involved. Mm. And you kind of feel too, like you kind of feel that, yeah, like I said, that they're, they're actually taking large steps towards achieving the outcome that, you know, is mandated by a body like that. Yes, the fact that yeah. they're looking after the athletes. They're, there's far too many pro triathletes in the world as far as I'm concerned. There yeah. are just anyone can yes. call themselves a pro athlete. Oh, that's a, that, um, that's a whole podcast in itself, honey. <laughs> that's, that is my job. Like, that, wanna... Oh, that is my job in a nutshell. Like, and, and, I, and I never thought I'd be like that. Obviously, I was a pro for many years and so – you know what? It's yeah, but you were a good pro, right? Like yeah. you, you would have, you would have been one of those pros that everyone goes right. Yes, deservedly so. Yeah. And if you've had an injury-ridden year, that's fine. Come back in. But I look at, you know, I look at tennis or surfing and those sorts of things. And if you're out of that top thirty, forty, or fifty, you don't then even, bad luck, man. Like it. deal with it, get better, and do something. Back. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And and yeah. to me personally, I mean, we've we've argued this. It's it's an interesting topic, and I've gotten to many a conversation over. A, many bottles of wine um, <laughs> on this particular subject. And to me personally, it, it needs to come down to, to national bodies giving out pro licences like they're yeah. freaking lollies. It's just, yes. it, it it kills me. And then a lot of the time, not just giving out these pro licences, but taking a, blo- a load of damn money on return. I'm like, that's, how did you give that? Why did you give that person a pro licence? And how could you take, you know, $1,000 from them? That's ridiculous. Um, yep. Yep. And yeah, there's plenty. There are plenty and, you know, they're not professional athletes. They're just people that are pretty good at swim, bike, run. That's about it. And that sounds really nasty and harsh. But like you said, Phil, no other sport in the world it's does not, this. Though. It's not nasty and harsh. It's nasty and harsh if you're saying that Daniela Riff shouldn't be a pro. That's just being harsh. It's if you're thereabouts and you're in the top 20, 30, 40, 50 in the world, okay. But if you're like in the top 100 or you're rolling around an Ironman in 850 or something like that as a professional, inverted commas, as a man, you shouldn't be there. You just shouldn't be there. You're playing in the space and you shouldn't be there. It's as simple as that. I I want to go and play NFL tomorrow, but I couldn't (laughs) have in the dark night. It's not going to happen. I would laugh at you and say, sweetheart, in another lifetime. Correct. They'd pat my head and piss me off. It's the same. And I think I'm a pro surfer, never going to happen because I'm garbage. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when I look at we Challenge Family along with Torsten Rad, we do a pro, pro prize money ranking where every week, um, we get all the races around the world. Yeah, and it's a, and you know what? It's been an eye-opener. Um, we did it firstly just to decide who we give free um, who we give free entry to because we've decided that not every pro athlete deserves a free entry. Why? I mean, it's that's, again, because not every pro athlete should be a pro athlete. So Correct. we had a ranking. Yeah, well, we had this ranking. If you're not in the top 250, then you, you pay free entry fee. And, and some people are saying, oh, that's a bit harsh. And I looked to see what the 250th athlete is actually making in prize money and you would be mm-hmm. horrified. There's no way they can call themselves. A pro athlete to me is someone who lives off being a pro athlete. But if, you've, yep. if you're a 250th and you've made $1,500. You're not pro. Honestly. You know, you, you, I know. No. I know. No. And that's the price. If you look at, um, you know, I used to teach um, back in the day in education, I used to teach a kid who's now a professional doubles player. In the, on the ATP, and he's very successful. And you know, he was 
the the idea that these guys win prize money, but that's you know everyone goes oh they're loaded, but it's the price of doing business. He wins prize money so he can pay his trainers, yeah. pay his hitting partners, yeah. pay his airfares, pay his everything else. We are as a sport very nice, and as you said, oh, I don't want to sound terrible. You're not. No. It's you're either a pro or you're not. You're either successful as an athlete or you're not. Not everybody wins a prize. No. That's just the reality of where pro sports is. Exactly. If the PTO, I would hope the next evolution of what they start to do is lay out that framework. Yeah. That's what surfing did. Surfing decided that yes. not everyone could be a pro. We're not going to all the shitty breaks. We're going to go to really good breaks. We're going to have the best in the world against each other all the time. So you've got Medina versus Fanning exactly. versus Slater. Exactly. Time period. And everyone got so psyched for it and so amped to see it happen. You know, I see Fredino versus Kinla maybe once a year. If you're lucky, I yeah, see, that's right. Uh, exactly. You know, I see Riff versus nobody, nobody times a year. Occasionally she gets put up against some, um, you know, some real talent. At some point, they've got to limit the amount of races. They've got to start stacking fields. They've got to start paying fields and they've got to start limiting you know, what's and who's around, I think. I think that's where they've got to head yeah. as the next evolution. I agree. And that's why, and that's one of the reasons why I was, I'm so desperate to see this race in Daytona because yeah. it's, it's at least heading in the right direction. They've, they've absolutely said, and I looked, I can see, anyone can go to the PTO top 40 ranked list and see who those top 40 are and say, you know what? These are 40 of the absolute freaking best athletes we've got in the world right now. And so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if an athlete can't make it, then they're rolling that down to the next best. So you know that the start line, uh, and you know that there's a they've got a specific criteria for the wild cards, and they're not just giving them out like like willy nilly either. They're actually thinking. No, about- and that's the thing too. You've got to deserve it. And as you said, the the guy heading it up, and if you don't know the PTO, the guy heading it up is Sam, a guy called Sam Renouf, who was an athlete. Yes, which kind of helps, and a good one, and it kind of helps that he's got his foot in that camp because he gets exactly what it means to be an athlete, but he's also incredibly. Um, bright. Yeah, he is very he intelligent. Well, the funny thing about yeah. Sam, and he's probably going to hate me for telling you this, but um, you know, <laughs> obviously we trained all together in Lazar in Switzerland back in the day under Sato when Sato was very, very picky with who he took on. And and Sam will be the first one to tell you he was a, he was one of those athletes. He was a good athlete, but was he ever going to make it as a pro? Hell no, he wasn't good enough. Um, that's just a fact, yeah. and he'll be the first one to tell you that. But I like that because um, you'd think that he might lean a little bit towards that tier two or two tier three pro athlete, but he doesn't. He he knew himself that it was never going to be um, his livelihood. He did it for, yep. while he could, and then once he realised that it wasn't going to be, he stepped out and started working. Um, and yeah, now he, he he gets it. He's he's seen what it takes to be a professional athlete and to to live purely from the sport. And you're right; there are not that many people that can do it. No, and otherwise we'd all be doing it. Of and course. and I think you know, underscoring all that is the fact that you know there is, as you said, too much access yeah. um, and availability for those yeah. pro cards. But at some point, it will um, start to get cleaned up and and start to do that. The, the guess, I guess, the the major part of this is that sort of fallout. Um, you know what happens to the big sports like triathlon, et cetera, where you know people and age groupers haven't been able to get out and train. You know, in Melbourne, you can't go five k's from home. Yeah. You know, like those sorts of lockdown scenarios in Europe and things like that. I mean, you would expect racing to just boom. I would think it would enter another wave, and I'm pun intended of people who want to get out and have a race. I think maybe this is 
uh, a reforming yeah. of the sport. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be actually. Um, and look, the other thing that I'm I'm just nervous about is I think everyone has that mindset that oh, it's just 2020 where things are going to be up up shit creek. But yeah. you know, I'm I'm sorry to say, but once it ticks over to the first of January to 2021, it's not like things are going to miraculously get better and we're just going to go back to normal. <laughs> Um, no. And, you know, after speaking to Felix Walshoffer from Challenge Roth, he's already looking towards 2021 and, of course, he's hoping and praying that that race goes ahead, but he's also, as a, as a, as a professional race owner and organiser, he needs to think that, of the, uh, that maybe there's a chance that it's, it won't go ahead then. I mean, obviously that's worst-case scenario, but as someone that needs to, to tick all the boxes and to, and to dot his I's and cross his T's, he has to think like that. So yeah. it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I'm sure as a result, not all events are going to survive, and it's going to be pretty sad. Um, some might not make it through, but mm. yeah, uh, I like to not look too far ahead, so I refuse to do that. I'm I'm not going any further than my two week quarantine this December before Christmas and trying to make it out before Christmas. <laughs> I won't let myself go past that. I want to get out of quarantine on the 23rd. That, that's as far as I go. So I'm not even looking past that date right now. Um, no, and as, as we said at the top, um, there's a lot of, you know, those sort of big cone of feels at the moment and, and you know, and people sort of thinking about, you know, and, and guys like Babbitt and, and Kev McKinnon and yourself yeah. who've done multiple trips. Oh. Like thirty four, like what they must be like. What what's Pancho Man doing? I don't what's know. He up to well, that's a thing too. You know, obviously, I've got I worry for Pancho Man. Mate, I worry for all the locals in Kona. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure when we're all there, they're like, God, these freaking athletes again. Can't wait till they leave. But we do it every year here with Noosa and the school holidays that at Christmas time. Yes. Get rid of all these freaking <laughs> Melbourneites that come up and ruin our yeah. Noosa. Um, yeah, and they also don't worry. <laughs> they also come down where I am on the west coast, and they ruin my life yeah, as well. So- but but if we were to be brutally honest, we'd be we'd be screwed without them. So you know, and Kona's the same. And I know because I've got lots of friends that live in Kona, obviously. And they said it is a very depressing and sorry sight right there now. And that there are a lot of the main restaurants and bars and shops that we know um, and have yep. been there forever are no longer there. Um, so it, I think no. it would actually be pretty depressing and really sad to be there right now. Just because of that, yeah, it holds, doesn't it? Each each year you go to Kona, it you, it kind of grabs you, doesn't it? It does. Um, no, it does. There's no doubt. I mean, to me personally, the race itself. I mean, I raced it ten times, and I reckon out of that ten, I might have enjoyed two. Um, it's a, what was your best result? Uh, sixth, sixth place. But wow. it's a shit of a race. I <laughs> if you if you took if you took away the world championship, ten, it wasn't the world championship. Pretend it wasn't in paradise, but if you actually just take yeah. it as the race itself, so swim's quite nice, but often it can be really, um, really wavy and horrible and you get seasick. Yep. The ride is a shitter. I can't stand uh, It's just shit. And the run's awful. It's along a bloody highway. Um, yeah. So if we actually try and take the emotion out, which I know is impossible, and just think about the, the race on its own, the race course, sorry, it's – one of the worst race courses I've ever done. So <laughs> I freaking hate it. Um, but it's not, you know, it's Kona. I love Kona. The place itself is amazing. The sunsets are about the best ever. Um, yep. And the, it's the people that are there when, you're the, when you go there to race, you know, the most, all your best friends, some that you only end up seeing once a year. And yep. it's the world championship. So you can never, ever take that away. And has been forever. 
since our sport started. I think that's the biggest key point is that it's been, it's been, it's where it all started and it's still the same today. So um, yeah, that's what makes it, it has great. that. I mean, it has that mystique too. I it mean, does. it really, you talk about the, the course being, gar- and it, I agree. I mean, I've driven it, ridden it, you know, and I've, it, it, yeah, it is. It's nothing to do. Um, try doing it. Anyway, I'll, I'll move past that one. Um, well, when you compare it, compare it to something like uh, the old Ironman Canada course in Penticton, I don't know how you have done it, but seriously, uh, even to this day, that is one of the most spectacular courses in the world, bar none. Yeah. And I've done yeah. I've done 50 of these bastards, so I, I do know. <laughs> I do know a thing or two about the courses. Lake Place is another one, spectacular. Um, yeah. and, and they're mind-blowing. The same in Europe when you do Ironman Switzerland or, you know, even Challenge Roth. It's, there's, the course itself is magnificent. Um, plus everything else. But, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from Kona. It's amazing. And we always get the most incredible battles every year because it is the world championship. So, Well, that's what we love about it too, though, isn't it? You get a flyer every year. Every year you go, fuck, didn't see that coming. You know, you yeah. get one of those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is always fun. And and being an Australian over there and being in, you know, you always saw when, you know, I was in the peak of when I was there was always seeing victories, yeah. um, whether it be Carfrey, whether it be, uh, Crowey, Macca, that whole, you know, Jacobs, that whole setup um, certainly was fun. Um, it, it it really does, though, as you said, bring the community together. The one thing I love about it too, though, is um, it just brings out the weirdest people. <laughs> it's just kooks everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. You can walk into an ABC store and just look and you're like, Jesus, really? Who let you out of the house, man? I mean, the undie run was formed. Oh, from that. God, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you just get this mad mix of people. It's just nuts. I love it. I know. It, it brings out the best, the worst. I always said it brings out the best, the worst, and everything in between. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can remember too when um, old mate was doing it, Gordon Ramsay, um, the year that he did it. Yep. And he stepped off the plate, told us as the media, we all interviewed him because we were so excited to see a celebrity. Um, a real celebrity. <laughs> I got off the plane, looked at the lava, and I started shitting myself. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't mind this guy. He seems okay. Oh, he's unreal. He's unreal. They did They did love a uh, celebrity for a while, there, didn't they, when they used to bring out all the um, – to try and further the, the reach, which wasn't the worst idea. No. I, uh, they didn't always pick the correct celebrity, let's be honest. Sometimes I, no. I, I used to have there was a big question mark on well, why this person, and yeah. but Ramsey, Ramsey was a no, he was awesome. Bloody hell, he was unreal. Yeah, I think he ran. He went something like ten and a half. No, no, hours he's legit. No, he's legit. Yeah, yeah. I think he did something pretty good. He didn't stop to cook anything, but that's no, good. Well, that's, um, that's true. So, in terms of where you see it ending in twenty twenty one, we've kind of touched on it, but what do you think in terms? Are we normality? I agree, we're screwed, um, but challenge is something that is going to continue to evolve how can they at some point work in with the itu i don't care if they're working with ironman or what have you but when are we going to see do you reckon um i guess the races being formed correctly we've got a proper world title we've got world titles that have been acknowledged it's it's kind of devolving into boxing yeah you've yeah. got a world title for this yeah. challenge no, I'm with you. For- i agree what What's the plan? Like, what's what? What can they possibly do? No, I I, I totally agree. It, it frustrates me, and it's even even the naming of um, the PTO World Championship. I, I haven't even been calling it that because I've just been calling it the PTO Championship because it is a championship event. And the championship event to me is whenever you've got the best in the world at your event. But to call it yep. a World Championship, 
you know, truly there, there really should only be one um, and it is difficult. I know that's something that the my three bosses are definitely working with the ITU uh, and they've always worked closely with the ETU over there. I mean, their race, they own Challenge Almir and I know that they've yep. worked for years now very closely with the ETU and they were the ETU champs. Um, they're going to be the ITU long course champs next year. So I do know that they have a very good working relationship with the ITU. Um, there was yep. a little bit of talk for a little while that for Challenge Daytona and the PTO champs. I know uh, that Challenge and PTO were talking with ITU to try and see the possibility of having an ITU race as well. I, I just don't. I just don't think the timing was right. Um, and obviously, I think if COVID hadn't hit, there was would have been a very strong possibility that we could have seen an ITU event run together with a challenge event and the PTO championship, which would have been pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It seems like, at least it seems like people are sitting around a table trying to engage. They are, and, that, and, and, that, and you've hit the nail on the head. That's the one thing that I, I, I must always give challenge credit for is they're not a closed shop. I remember when Charles came to Felix quite a few years ago now with Challenge Roth and said, we want to work with you. And in, Felix could have quite easily said, go away. Felix doesn't need anyone. His race sells out every year. Every year his race sells out in two minutes. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't even really need Challenge Family. He's an entity on his own. But that's just not the way the Wall Surfer families worked um, and they are always wanting to improve and and give back to the athletes. And he's an open door and that's, that's probably one of the greatest attributes that Felix has um, as an event owner is that he's always willing um, to listen and always an open door to any new and improved ways and wanting to work together for the better of the sport and certainly not to line his own pockets. That's never, ever um, been at the forefront. And I know that's hard to say because everyone needs to make a living, but I've known Felix Wasserstoffer since he was a little boy, 2004 when I first went there, and he's never faltered, ever, mm. ever. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's a good unit. I can remember spending a number of Konas on Polani with him, yeah. drinking Gatorades, um, you know, and having a chat. He's always uh, seemed to be open and 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 interested in what was going on. There's no doubt. Which is not to say, too, that the sport is entirely reliant on this. So I think Ironman, you know, obviously has a part to play. Oh, absolutely. They just need to figure out yeah. what their part in that looks like yeah. and, and at what point does the sport, you know, under the PTO banner unify to – create you know certain things at certain times or giving yeah. certain world titles because even just if you explain it you sound like a boxing promoter when oh. you're, you know this this division is this this division's that yeah. these guys have got this well, imagine title. if you were learning it for the first time as an outsider you'd, you'd do your head in you'd like i don't i don't get it it's so difficult right. to understand exactly and then you've got the super league guys as well yes who are, yes yes and you yeah know, yeah haven't gone away still sort of doing their thing and it you know that's a tough one too because what they're promoting is a you know a hybrid version of what we've got with different yep. events being mixed up etc it's yeah it's certainly certainly a lot to think about in terms of how that gets pulled together and then who actually is pulling on those reins i agree it, it is difficult and the problem with the sport too is it's such an individual sport you think about it as an athlete it's an individual sport um and it's almost like everyone that's involved in the sport has that sort of mentality um, yeah. and that's where I think sometimes our, our shortfall is, is that we're not thinking outside the box for the better of the sport as a whole. Um, I'll tell you one little story, though, that where I think it's changing is obviously 
everyone's aware of the rivalry between, say, Ironman Frankfurt and Challenge Roth. You know, it, it, yeah. it used to do my head in. They'd be bidding for athletes um, and it was just, even when you're there, it was this immense competition. Who could get the better field? Who was going to put? Who was going to suggest their race date first, and so the other one didn't get the same weekend? And it was, it was almost a, a farce. It was farcical to just to listen to it and see. And I used to get so angry, but thanks again to Felix and also to Frankfurt. The last few years, they've actually, they have actually started to work together and said, okay, well, who, what athletes would you like at the race? Okay, we want these. Okay, well, we won't bid for them. We're going to take these ones. And so they work together. Uh, okay, what weekend are you having your race? All right, we won't use that weekend. We're going to use this weekend. And as they should, two of the biggest races in Europe, all right, just so yeah. happen to be in the same country, well, that's just the way it is, um, continually clashing heads and working against each other, which was no good for anyone. Everyone lost out in the end. It was just shitty for everyone. So now they actually yeah. realise, you know what, we actually should work together. We're the two biggest races in Europe. We should be working together and helping each other to make our sport even better. And yeah. I think we need to apply And I'm not saying by any means that it's perfect, um, but it's a step in the right direction, and I think if we can if we can do that with all of our races instead of trying to compete against each other, as you said, the sport is far too small um, for that to happen. Um, then I think we're going to start seeing some some improvements for sure. I agree. I agree, Belinda. Our time has I know I'm terrible at running out. <laughs> I'll tell you now, I could spend a couple of days saying to you, my friend, you are always. Uh, enlightening when we cross paths it's always good you are a uh, font of knowledge clearly still fingered on pulse going beautifully there with your work with challenge and also with the uh, wits up crew um thank you for your time today um you are again well placed to answer many wow. of my ill-informed and ill-timed questions <laughs> look i think the thing with me is i've been in the sport since i was 21 years of age i'm not uh i, I love it just as much as i did when i first started as an age group athlete um, I'm not bitter and twisted. I've got so much to, to, to thank for this sport. And this sounds really soppy, but, you know, I, I'm living here in paradise and it's all because of my sport. So I, I have a lot to give. I, I feel like I have a lot to, to give back on a sport that's been very good to me. And, but the best thing is I, I just I love working with the athletes. You know, they're, they're good eggs. That's what I say. I'm like the mother. Right. I'm like they're the mother hen. I'm, they're the good eggs. They're good eggs. <laughs> <laughs> they're lucky to have you, mate. Thank you so much thanks, for spending time with us. Thanks to the beautiful people at Triathlon Magazine Canada uh, for the Life of Tri podcast. Thank you, Belinda. Thanks, darling. Good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Life of Tri. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at the Life of Tri.